news drives markets. And every day, Montel's experienced reporters are on top of the stories that shape European market developments. Can you afford to miss out? Go to montelnews.com for the latest price-driving stories and a free trial. Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast, bringing you energy matters in an informal setting. This week's episode dives deep into developments in Spain and planned measures put forward by the government in Madrid to reform energy markets and the EU ETS in an attempt to shield households and industry from high prices. Will the plan succeed and what will the consequences of the intervention be on the country's power and gas markets? So joining me, Richard Sverson, to discuss these key issues are Pedro Linares of Universidad Pontifica Comillas and Javier Revuelta of AFRI. A warm welcome to you both. I hope I pronounced the name of your university correct, uh, Pedro. Yeah, quite well. Thank you, Richard. Happy to be here. Let's start then, gentlemen, by, by discussing the measures that the Spanish government uh, has put forward. Can we just sort of highlight the key elements here, please, Javier? What's on the table? What's gone through? Yeah, so the government, they've been, I guess, analyzing the options. There's no perfect option that addresses all issues. Basically, they care most about residential consumers on one hand, and also on, well, and, and especially the, the more vulnerable residential consumers, and also uh, commercial and industrial. And, and the reason for protecting the first is obviously difficulty to pay bills. There's a fair amount of uh, residential consumers who, who actually struggle to reach uh, end of the month. And also the reduction of purchase power may affect the economic recovery. So uh, on one hand, the government wants to keep bills paid and, and, and those, those vulnerable consumers reaching end of the month and also keeping the economic activity as high as possible. For the other customers, for the, the commercial and industrial, the concern is obviously losing some um, competitiveness against other territories not so affected by high electricity prices and also keep uh, inflation as controlled as possible. If inflation goes up, then there are cascading negative impacts. So both keeping inflation low and households with as much purchase power as possible are important. Now, the government has been addressing taxes as one of the measures, and I think this is the most commonly used measure across Europe, particularly because prices being so high means the government was going to collect anyway more money than uh, they would have expected. So it's actually a pretty effective measure, uh, which doesn't damage much the, the general state budget. So that's one. And this was applied as early as um, the, the escalation of prices started uh, in early in the summer. And then the second largest measure or the, the, the second measure with um, highest impact is what the government has called the, the windfall profits from gas prices, meaning that all inframarginal technologies like nuclear, hydro and renewables who are making a lot of money compared to uh, what could be expected a few months ago then a lot of this money is considered by the government to be not necessary and um, excessive, meaning that uh, it shouldn't have been expected in the first place, and uh, it leads to returns above what the government considers reasonable. So the government is basically trying to take some of that windfall profit and give it back to consumers 
through a reduction of grid connection charges. So there are several issues. One is with the collection of money, how much and to which cost, uh, to which producers you take uh, the money from. And, and the second issue is how do you give that money back? On the first one, the measure has been quite controversial because obviously taking money from a generation is, uh, of course, something fought against by those affected. And legally, it is questionable whether you can legally take some money, whatever the, the, the cause and whatever the, the, the urgency. But also there are issues with some of this generation being affected by the, the revenue reduction, being in long-term contracts or with bilateral contracts with different horizons, which means the revenue is not the wholesale price, but something agreed between the generation and the supplier company, and also between the supplier company and the end customers. So there's been a lot of uh, discussion around that, because the assumption that all generation is receiving the marginal price is, is basically not true. And the government has had to go back in uh, which megawatts are affected and which ones aren't. The very recent news from Tuesday and discussed in Tuesday and Wednesday are that a lot of this generation will be exempted from the reduction. So all, bi all bilateral, uh, all, all energy with bilateral contracts will not be affected by the reduction as it was uh, originally. The second issue which I would highlight is how this money is given back to consumers. So basically the government has chosen instead of proposals like uh, Pedro Linares has said in, 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 in other occasions and, and, and other economists uh, or consultants and which I agree with, is it would be more effective to give this money back in, in the form of a check. Personally, I would have gone for a check to suppliers and then suppliers deducting this, uh, some, some amount to, the, uh, to, to end users through lower bills. I think other proposals like in France or, or some other people in Spain have proposed a direct check of whatever the money, 50 euros, 100 euros per family. Whatever the form, I, I do agree that this would ha this would be more effective because you can target very precisely who you give the money to. And I think it makes sense to give the money only to um, customers that really need it, as most families really can pay for an extra 20 or 50 or even 60 euros bill, which would be a 100% increase. Even a 100% increase is, is acceptable, I mean, or it can be paid by, by lots of families. And the government, instead of this direct help, it has gone for a generic reduction of, of grid charges. This has two problems in my view. One is you are helping customers that don't really need it, that don't really need it, sorry. And second is because grid charges are designed in a way such that residential consumers contribute more and um, commercial a bit less, and uh, especially the large industry uh, contributes very little. This means that reducing grid charges is actually not helping much the large industry. So basically, the government has, has gone for a, a scheme that supports mostly uh, residential and all of them and, and not so much the industry. So the government is still thinking of ways to address the industry, not only to help the industry, but also to keep inflation down. And this is not fully achieved with the, with the measures that have been discussed for now. Yeah, if I, if I can bring Pedro in here, this is more than sort of protecting value, you know, uh, vulnerable customers. It's also, you know, a, a look at the fundamentals of, of marginal pricing in, in wholesale energy markets. And it seems to be that the, the Spanish government wants to make some major reforms here. Is, is that would be would, would that be one way of looking at it? Well, that's that's the way that the government has framed it to some extent. Instead of dealing with this as a kind of, I would say, temporary issue, they're kind of pushing the agenda for a change in the uh, wholesale markets, which is something that has been discussed here in Spain, you know, like 
since 2005 mm. <laughs> because of our past history, you know, uh, because of we, we were moving from a totally regulated system to a liberalized system in 1998 with lots of nuclear and hydro that were built under the old system. So that discussion has never stopped and this crisis has rekindled it. So there are some people and, and I would say a part of the government that is using that argument as a basis to propose some reform of the wholesale market. Of course, this is being contested by some because the, the problem is you, you could argue that maybe nuclear and hydro, we could discuss whether they should be subject to this market or not. But one very important issue is the, the recent development in renewables. You know that in Spain, we had like a rather bleak period for renewables for a time. And then we started up again with uh, a lot of strength. And these recent developments are the ones that may be uh, kind of punished if there is a move towards or against a uh, wholesale market. So to some extent, the discussion now is broader and also has many more implications that make it much more difficult. What's been the general reaction, Pedro, in Spain to, to these proposals? Because I, I know that <laughs> there's been a lot of discussion, probably high level, uh, the EU level, uh, and within some EU member states who've come out very strongly against these proposals put yeah. forward by Spain. Yeah, here it's a, it, it depends very much on whom you ask, right? So um, <laughs> I would say that among the general population, there is, an, and this, I think I should say that this has been a crisis that has been broadcasted uh, very uh, strongly from the media since the summer. So there is this general perception by the population that there is an issue with energy, that energy is becoming much more expensive. And also, an important derivative here is that the message is also getting across that part of the guilt comes with the utilities, that utilities are making a lot of money. And this complicates a lot of things. So many of the solutions or many of the policy measures that have been proposed by the governments, in fact, are trying to answer this concern rather than, as Javier said, trying to fix the problems for industry or for residential consumers, right? So if you talk to people like Javier or I or other people working on the on the system, I would say that there is a general consensus about what should be done, about whether this is actually a, a long-term problem or not, or whether we should change the markets. But then there is a, and, and, and I don't know, maybe we can discuss that, Javier and I, but I think both agree that the market should not be eliminated, but of course, there should be some design elements that should be fixed. But then there is a large discussion underneath that says, and, and in fact, I was just reading the news these days, and even seemingly expert people saying that we should get away with the markets and get back to a cost of service system or something like that. Hmm. What's your view here, Javier? On the one hand, it's quite understandable that the government wants to shield these very vulnerable customers, but on the other, if it's if it's going away from the, these kind of these liberalised wholesale markets, then that's a fundamental change. Yes. Well, the, the thing is, I, I there are several issues. As, as Pedro said, this is a, really a discussion with long term implications. So we can either think of some um, temporary patches to, to, the, to the situation and, and do something temporary where you take some money from some megawatts and, and then give it back in a way that roughly works. 
and makes the industry live through this period and and customers not get too angry. Uh, you can do that, or you can go for reforms which affect long term. The problem with uh, reforms is they need a lot of discussion. They need agreements, I would say, between the main parties, which I think is almost impossible. I, I don't see the main parties in Spain agreeing on almost anything, and particularly not in, in energy, where there are quite uh, substantial differences in their energy policies around nuclear, around the, the way to incentivize uh, specific technologies, the type of technologies uh, you want to incentivize. So, you know, if you want to go for deep reforms, they need to be thought through, I think, in, in, in more months than uh, the time it will take for uh, prices to go back to, I would say, normal. We, we actually expect, um, and, and there's quite some consensus, that during 2022, there's, uh, there, there's a strong reduction of prices, gas and electricity expected, and, and then an even stronger one in 2023. So honestly, I don't see a reform before this period is over. And also, the thing is, I, I don't see easy solutions. You know, I, I don't see going back to, um, to to the very regulated system being the solution. I, the, there are definitely some problems to a very regulated system where the government decides uh, which investments are made and, and conducts some form of audits where you, you try to figure out what the exact and reasonable cost is, including some reasonable returns on renewables, on nuclear, on hydro. There are lots of retroactive changes there which would go to um, to trial for sure. So personally, I am more inclined to the temporary fixes and, and, and try to design something that works as, as well as possible, try to address the needs of the ones that really need to, to, to be uh, saved in a way or, or helped the most. And honestly, I don't see the reform uh, being neither realistic nor fast enough and, and, and I see lots of technical problems to what has been proposed. I see lots of issues with how, how do you keep, um, let's say, a regulated price with uh, imports and exports with the rest of Europe, uh, where other markets remain marginal as they work today. So how, how do you make it compatible to, to be a regulated system within a liberalized market? When do we buy yourself from neighbors? How do we keep uh, the good things but try to avoid the bad ones? It's really tricky. So personally, I am a lot more inclined to um, to keeping a system which generally works. I think there are some long-term patches that can be, and I would not call them patches, but but really a complement to how uh, wholesale markets work. I think there are ways to do settlements ex post the hourly day ahead markets. So you you have the markets work as they as they do today, but then there can be settlements done between either the market operator or the or the regulator giving back money to the customers or actually bringing taking money from the customers and and, and giving it eventually to to some uh, generators through monthly settlements or annual settlements and the issue there i think is we need to have some discussions with europe because there are some things that europe does not currently allow but in my view these are things that could be discussed with europe and, and europe uh, could agree with so basically how to find a way for governments to enter into long, long-term agreements where generators would give money back uh, under some circumstances of very high prices. But then in exchange, they would, uh, if, if, for example, in a given year, because gas prices are, are cheap or renewables are, are very high and, and it's a very wet year and, and power prices collapse, then eventually some generators might need to, gi- to be given some money 
to cover their um, their operating expenses. So I, I think there are ways to make the current market compatible with situations of high prices and low prices that can work for both consumers and for generators. And what I definitely don't see is, um, you know, try to make a, a very drastic change in just a few months that that's in my view that's never going to work so you're talking about some kind of contract for different system correct some exactly yeah either with a cap and floor or a fixed price which i know uh, europe doesn't like but i think there are ways to design them in a way that they are a service let's say a service of high availability at a fixed price we need to think this through it's also not easy but i think this is um, a lot easier to discuss and, and negotiate with europe than telling Europe, we want a completely regulated system, but still we want to sell or buy electricity from uh, France or from the neighbors. And Europe is going to say, Spain, listen, you need to make up your mind. You cannot keep the good and get rid of the bad things you don't like. So you're either, exactly, you're either in the market or you're in. And honestly, to opt out of a market uh, which has been used for investments, for interconnections, I, I don't see Europe... Uh, letting Spain get away with this proposal. Uh, and, and if they do, I mean, if, if they at least want to consider it, I think Spain needs to work a lot more on the details. As we say very frequently, you know, devil is in the details. You actually, you, you cannot just go and, and, and submit a proposal without looking at the details and saying, this is very precisely how we intend or how we propose that the Spanish uh, wholesale market is run. And for now, there's absolutely no detail. Personally, I have lots of questions on, on the proposals. And lots of these, the, the answers to, to lots of these questions, I think they come with a conclusion that it's just not possible or it has major drawbacks, which make it virtually impossible to really implement, you know, and go back to a very regulated system. That's my Absolutely. If, if Pedro, if I can, can ask you more about the medium to long term implications of, of the current uh, plans being put forward. I mean, you highlighted the time when you know, there was a slowdown in renewable uh, growth in, in Spain, probably to a large extent due to some previous retroactive regulatory intervention. Right. And now you have a very strong regulatory intervention uh, or plans to do so. What will be the impact on investments in Spain's, you know, booming renewable sector? Uh, is this a concern? Yeah. So, so of course, that, that is one of the elements that are becoming compromised with this type of intervention. So, I mean, when when somebody decides to invest in renewables, of course, they are ready to uh, accept very low prices as we expect to have and maybe 2030. But they they are also ready to get the high prices that we will get sometimes, right? So when there is an intervention like this, it's basically, no, you cannot get the high prices, but you should accept the low ones. So that, of course, brings the profitability of the investments much lower. And and also the, the you know it's not only the the fact that there is a there may be a cap on the price it's also the way the intervention has been done right and I think the the perception of insecurity is is quite high so so I'm sure that will affect somehow the prospects for investments in in the future. On the other hand, I think that. As Javier said, all this, all this movement, although the probably right answer to this crisis would be we need to get more into long-term contracts, right? We need to convince people to become more hedged, which is something that they were not doing. Again, what happens to long-term contracts 
if people think that when the prices are low, they will benefit from them. And when the prices are high, the government will come in and cap them. The incentive to long-term contracting is going to be much lower because uh, you always expect the, the government to, to intervene, right? So, so I think this type of signals are quite damaging to long-term contracting, to long-term investment in renewables. And we will need to see how the trust is rebuilt and and hopefully so. Yeah. Javier, if I can ask you finally now about um you know, these measures seem to be temporary, but will they be hard to, to pull back once prices ease? I mean, it seems to be it could be might easy to extend them. Yeah, well, in, in in my view, this will really depend on, on the situation. You know, if, if power prices stay high, I think Families will keep, or some families and some industry will keep struggling to pay the bills. So chances are that at least beyond March, there is some extension. I don't see this being extended extended during 2023 and beyond because I think prices will be much lower as a consequence of, uh, firstly, gas prices going back to the mid-20s or so, definitely below 30 euros per megawatt hour, which is, in our view, sort of a long-term cap at least an average price in, in the long term, because this is the cost of bringing the most expensive gas from the other side of the world. We f- First, we expect gas prices coming down. Second, the impact of renewables is going to be substantial in, in Spain. And actually, maybe a slightly different view from Pedro is that I don't see these measures scaring away enough investment such that the investment is, is actually low. We actually have a situation of an over-appetite compared to the market size, so um, we, we actually have 140 gigawatts, which have been granted grid access, which is absolutely a nonsense figure. So if a lot of those, let's say, leave because they, they, they see Spain as a, a country with more risk than, uh, than other uh, markets, still we are left with more annual capacity than we can actually digest because of the, the bottlenecks in the permitting. So I, I see lots of renewables coming no matter what. The fundamentals are still there. You know, even when those revenue reductions are applied, net revenues uh, collected by renewables in these situations are still very high and very attractive. So it's not like this um, this intervention is um, is completely destroying the returns of investors. As Pedro said, I mean, I do I do agree that you know when when you when you think that the government might may bring down the, the periods of high prices and not compensate the low prices, of course this affects your hurdle rates. But given that our central expectation is power prices in the medium and long term going below the level which the government considers excessive, basically, we do not expect further intervention in the medium and long term, with prices being, let's say, in the 50 euros or so, a bit less for solar, for capture prices for solar. But we expect returns to be low, sorry, prices and revenues from the market to be on average low enough such that no intervention is needed. So this is really, as we say, this is really a unique situation, which we don't expect will happen again in the future. Of course, there will be periods of strong volatility where gas can go back up for a few months. But we don't see several years in a situation like this. And we don't see, you know, the, the, the intervention being permanent and, and, and investors being permanently scared away. Actually, if you think of it, you know, if a situation like this remains. It means for investors that we are in a situation of high revenues. And keep in mind that uh, wind and solar are telling us in, in the auctions that they can live with uh, less than 40 euros, even less than 30 euros. So situations of 50, 60 euros are fine for investors and should seem fine for the government. Anything above that, yes, may bring some intervention, 
but always keeping net revenues very attractive. So I only see these, you know, as a temporary measures, which should not scare investments away. So there may be some hesitancy on the behalf of some investors before coming in, but certainly the returns, as you say, Javier, will be there. So this is an area that we'll be watching very closely in the, in the weeks and months to come, certainly from Spanish perspective, but also European with some countries arguing against, very strongly opposed to the Spanish measures, but some more in favor. Javier and Pedro, thank you very much for joining the Montel Weekly Podcast this week. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. So listeners, you can now follow the podcast on our own Twitter account, aptly named the Montel Weekly Podcast. Please direct message any suggestions, questions, or you know, let us know if you, if you think you have a good idea for a guest on the show. You can also send us an email to podcast at montelnews.com. Lastly, remember to keep up to date with all that's happening in energy markets on Montel News. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you and goodbye.